Private Lender Podcast, Episode 73. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from T.T. Munger, who said, The habit of saving is itself an education. It fosters every virtue, teaches self-denial, cultivates the sense of order, trains to forethought, and so broadens the mind. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Happy Monday, June 3rd, 2019. Welcome to the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker. Today, I'm going to throw up the format. No, I'm going to change it up a little bit, throw something a little new at you, and let me explain why. Well, first off, if you're looking to get rich quick, you want to make a million dollars overnight, then stop listening to this podcast because that's not what this is about. This podcast is here to help people like myself, like you, normal, everyday working folks trying to live the American nightmare in suburbia, but we have a fairly decent job, but we're, we also like real estate, but we're not going to go quit and become the next Chip and Joanna or Than Merrill. So this way we can still participate. We can still be investors. We just do it with our funds, private money, private lending, private mortgages to other real estate investors. So I believe this is going to be episode number 73. And the topic today is I ran out of finished episodes. So while I'm putting some together, getting interviews recorded, I did an interview with a, a fellow by the name of Josh Cantwell, who has a very interesting story. And I highly recommend you go seek him out and learn. He does coaching education. He also uses private money. So I figured it'd be great to do an interview swap with him, which we have done. However, I have miscommunicated with his tech team and I'm still trying to get my side of it, but I do have a copy of my interview on Josh's podcast, which is called Accelerated Investor Podcast, and you can find it at acceleratedinvestorpodcast.com. My episode happened to be called Private Lending for Profits, Part One, and I really had a good time, enjoyed my time with Josh before the interview, during, and, and after we did, like I said, we, we interviewed, swapped. And so at some point, I will actually air the interview that he did for my show, for this show. But for the time being, I'm trying to get ahead in my scheduling and spring and summer and the kids and all that fun stuff. So my time is getting a little more cramped than usual. So I figured, hey, look, this is a great way to buy a week. And I've got some more solo. I'm going to do a lot more solo casts. I'm going to start drilling down into different aspects. And I've got some really interesting interviews coming up. And the Private Lender Podcast will be sponsoring the Quest Trust Expo, IRA Expo. It was a Quest IRA. They changed their name to Quest Trust, but this is their second year. It's going to be in Houston this year, August 23rd through 25th. And I'm proud to be sponsoring that again. And even though I've canceled sponsors from this show, I will be bringing back Quest Trust as a sponsor. And I will have discount codes for tickets and we'll have some interviews for some Quest Trust employees. A lot of interesting things about different accounts that you can use for self-direction and for private lending and notes and real estate. So that's going to be fun. 
so I'm going to let that cat out of the bag. But right now, I want to get to my interview on the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. So, hey, guys, welcome back. Josh Cantwell here, strategicrealestatecoach.com and Freeland Ventures. Welcome back to Strategic Real Estate Coach Podcast and Interview Series. I am in particular excited to be with you today to talk about private lending with a, a relatively new friend. His name is Keith Baker. And Keith has an amazing podcast of his own called the Private Lender Podcast. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh. Glad to be here. You bet. You bet. So Keith, let's jump in. Tell us a little bit about the Private Lender Podcast. You have a passion for money. You've done a bunch of real estate deals, but you also have a full-time job really with an amazing opportunity as an owner shareholder in your existing company. And that's led you to become a real focus on passive investing as a self-directed IRA investor and a private lender. So tell us about the podcast and your passion for private money. Sure. Yeah. Well, the podcast was born out of, I was on vacation with the family. My whole family loves the beach. I don't. So when we're sitting down in Florida one day in August, and uh, I live in Houston, heat and humidity are around me all the time. I don't see why I need to pay extra money to go and feel it on the beach. But it all came together that I wanted to tell people about private money. And I'll get to kind of how, why in, in a second, but it's passive. Every time I talk to a real estate investor, what are your needs? Oh, I'd love to get more private money. Love to have more funding, more private money, easy, quick, inexpensive, forget the banks, you know, hard money, all that kind of stuff. So I said, okay, well, I've always been told that I have the face for radio. So why not go ahead and start a podcast? And I launched on January 1 and have been fumbling my way through it ever since. And I absolutely love it. I do have a great day job. I bounced around. I did construction. I did the oil field, worked on the rigs. And I've always enjoyed real estate and the construction aspect of it. I, and for a while there, I was a contractor and I did a lot of flips for other rehabbers. But I quickly found that I was doing all the work. I'm the one that was getting the hangnails and bleeding fingers and everything. As I was trying to transitioning with my... I had to have a nine to five. We had a, had a family. I wasn't the type of person just to quit. So when I got out of the oil field and went into insurance adjusting, which is what I do now, but I still do it for the oil field. It's high dollar, high ticket items, but I travel at the last minute often. I mean, there's a bag, literally I have a bag next in the closet next to the front door. Something goes boom, I'm on a plane to go. So it really prohibits me from meeting contractors or future tenants. And I know this is at that time, I and mean, this is you know a decade ago, it's not what it is now where you can just walk up with a smartphone and gain access to a house. So I focused on private lending and I had some old 401ks because like typically like someone born in the 70s, I bounced around from job to job to job until I finally landed on the one I'm at now. So I had a bunch of old 401ks, converted them. Fortunately for us in Houston here, there's a wonderful company called Quest IRA, gives free education and started walking down that path and became known as just a lender. But I would loan to only to whales in the Houston area, the big, big names. And I would often, I would do at ridiculously low interest rates. But the caveat was that that borrower had to walk me through the deal so I could see their business from start to finish on that property. That's when I saw the power of private lending. It isn't just the money or the debt that you're getting. It's the education, it's the network, and really just the knowledge and seeing things and how people do things. And that's really for me where the golden nuggets are. Yeah. Not just the payments. Yeah, you bet. I, I recruit capital often from people that think they want to be active investors, right? And when I educate them about self-directed IRAs, they're like, oh my God, I have this old 401k with 300 grand in there, 150 grand or whatever. 
And they're like, well, can I actively flip money using this self-directed IRA cash? I'm like, well, you can, but all the profit has to go back in your IRA. And they're like, ah, forget it. I don't want to do it. It's too much work. (laughs) So then I'm like, well, you could lend to us. You could lend to these other borrowers and you could follow along the process and learn while you're getting an interest on your money. So it's very, very similar to what you're talking about. Now, Keith, you handle millions of dollars of other people's money every day. And that's why you become comfortable as a private lender with your own cash. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Like you're managing money in these and taking off on planes and you're used to looking at risk and you're used to looking at trying to mitigate that risk. How is your day job sort of permeated into your private lending business and managing that risk? That's funny. You make it sound a lot sexier than it really is, but I'll happy to walk you down that. Yeah. That's um basically what happens is my background was drilling, so usually the upstream stuff. So anytime there's a well blowout, there's a fire or like say a refinery, something goes boom, that's when I get to go to work is when I'm a loss adjuster. So when these things happen, I get on the plane, I go look at them quickly. And you know, if it's just an oil well fire, I'll I'll write a report. If it's a refinery that gets a little more involved, you have to get engineers and accountants and you get into some very complicated financial calculations for things like, say, business interruption, where something goes bad, there's an insurance policy that'll pay your monthly kind of revenue, or at least the profit side of it. But it's based on, well, I don't get into it. That's why I get the accountants into it. So, But the point being is the people I work for are mostly Lloyds of London, syndicates at Lloyds of London. It's their money that's being paid out to these oil companies. And it's up to me to pour through all the invoices to make sure that everything is relevant to repair. If widget A blows up, then I look at the whole repair process. I'll liaise with engineers on what the cause was, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's all about what is that going to cost the insurance company to reimburse the oil company. And so I've actually hand-delivered checks for $5,000 to small oil companies in Houston. Also negotiated settlements in excess of $100 million for some famous hurricane claims. So it took me about five years to get over the fact that this isn't my money and to kind of lose that awe of, you know, if I make a mistake, this really does cost somebody. (laughs) Fortunately, it doesn't cost a life at the end of the day. I just deal with dumb iron and property. I don't deal with feelings or soft tissue, fortunately. But it's still, you know, people get funny when it comes to money. So especially if they feel like they're losing it. So it was just kind of a natural fit. So because of my adjusting career and jumping on planes at the last minute to go look at things that are burning, into, okay, well, I can do this passively. And you know, I remember being in a small town in Pennsylvania and getting a call from a property manager about how we're going to have to evict. And I'm like, just send me the bill, get it done. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to be in this process. If the metrics aren't met, get rid of them. So I like the passive thing. It's other people's money, although it's my money that I loan, but it just kind of naturally progressed for me of looking after someone else's money and doing the same thing with real estate. Got it. So Keith, is there any kind of criteria specifically that you look at now in your real estate private lending practice that you talk about on your podcast? Is there a checklist or a, a go for flight sort of check off plan before you lend money out? Actually, I'm coming up with that. I speak about my criteria. I'll give you one of my pillars. Is well, Pillar number one is there are two types of ROI. First, I want to know, am I going to get the return of my investment back? That's number one. And then if I am going to get it back, once I've established that it's going to come back or I'm relatively comfortable with it coming back, then all right, how much am I going to make on that? That's the first pillar. The second pillar is never lend to family or friends. If you have the money to give, give it with the expectation that it won't come back. If it does come back to you, they pay it back. Great. But 
Thanksgiving and Christmas gets really odd when people commingle money with friends and family. Ask me how I know. <laughs> so those are the two big pillars. And the third pillar is I tell people unequivocally, if you're starting out as a private lender now, Josh, not someone like yourself with years of experience, but someone new to the private lending game, stay the heck away from subordinate liens. Don't loan on seconds, thirds, et cetera. Just stay in the first position lien. It's the best way to secure yourself until you can get comfortable with somebody's business model, how they lend. I tell people never take a second position. I have two seconds and an unsecured note out right now that I do because I know that it's based on the people. It's based on their work history and their investment history. But that's kind of my go-to is like stay away from that early on, get your feet wet, learn how to do it safely. So when you are in a second position, you're not just sitting there with your hand out because you've basically given up all control over your money at that point. To me, it's like an unsecured note, just handing somebody some money. So that's kind of my hard and fast. Also, never lend to newbies. That's what hard money lenders are for. That's why they charge 15 to 18% and all those points because they look at it the same way I do, but they're in the business of making money. I'm in the business of investing with money. So it's more passive. It's different, but I look at it the same way. Like only go to whales, people who have, have a proven track record. Another thing is in local markets, lend to people who would take a reputation hit if they didn't pay you back. It puts more of their skin in the game. Like skin doesn't have to mean money, you know, necessarily. Obviously it does. If somebody comes to me and goes, hey, this is at 72% after repaired value all in, I say, okay, well, put it in another six or 7%, get me down to about 65 and we'll talk all day. That's one way you can put skin in the game. The other is if somebody is a whale in a market and they're starting off their coaching or they're getting students in the area, I will loan to a student if it's a newbie, if they have a coach that I know and trust and have seen them work. And so if one of those whales in your local market messes up, it's not to say that people don't make mistakes. People that with experience make mistakes. But some, a whale in the market can't just walk away and go, you know what? I messed up. I'm not going to pay it back. I'm just going to walk away from this because they've got reputation on the line. That is a whole nother level of protection and mitigation that a lot of people don't think of. Yeah, I like that. Those are some great ones that I haven't thought about. Reputation damage. I really talked about that too much, but so true. Yeah, well, in your business right now, I mean, it's better. If you make a mistake, it's better to fess up and say, look, this is, it's going to cost X. I need two months to give you the money back. You yeah. will be made whole. And if people can go on, yep, this investment didn't go through. But you know what? I got made whole. Josh yeah. kept his word. He did what he said. That's huge. That goes a long way, especially in this day and age, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got to make people whole, not only get them their principal, but their interests yeah. at all costs. Like not, not that we're going to do anything wrong or fraudulent or anything at all costs, but literally like in my mindset, it's like getting people when they invest with us, the first thing on our list of things to do in our business and values is make sure we protect our investors' principal. It's number one. They're our number one priority. Before I take any money out of the business, before my partners get paid, my staff knows, like everybody is on the line to make sure that the private lender gets their money back, their principal at least. Mm -hmm. And then of course, their interest too. But rule number one is never lose principal. Rule number two is refer back to rule number one. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Never lose principal. So Keith, I know you've went down a number of different deals. You've given us some amazing sort of pillars of what to look for. What is your traditional type of loan that you like to make? Is it always a first mortgage lien, like a private lender loan? Do you invest equity in deals? Are you looking at longer term equity plays where you can get your principal back and be an owner in perpetuity? Just give us a flavor for some of the different deal flow that you've looked at. All the above. There's a guy I interviewed, his name's Tom Barry, investor loan source. And Tom was similar background to you, financial advisor, and got into real estate and 
just killed it and had all these private lenders saying, hey, Tom, I got money, but it's not working. So he put it to work. And I was going to put my money, my old 401k, I was just going to roll it over into his fund. And he had this great conversation. He was open and honest and he laid everything out. And I decided after that phone call, I was like, I think I want to do this. I want to learn how to do this. And I wanted to niche down, learn everything I could about that and be known as a private lender. Because I figured if everyone's looking for private lender, that's the guy I should be. And so decided to do that. And I did that. I started looking at, all right, I'm going to do fix and flips. Give me two points. I'll give you 10%. You give me two or three points up front. Every six months, we're turning the money around. I'm happy on my interest rates. I'm happy on my cash flow from the points. But it was in my self-directed IRA. So I don't get to see that money. It just accumulates. And then, so I started lending to just a handful of guys, a couple of guys, really. And then business models changed. They went from buying and selling into more of a wholesaling niche uh, because that the market was dictating. So they didn't need private money. And so I was actually traveling for my day job. I was in Scotland and I got a phone call and they said, hey, would you mind loaning to this guy? And I was like, yeah, I know of him in the Houston area. Okay, sure. I'll talk to him. Well, long story short, that guy is Landon Rothstein. He's now my partner in Asset REI. And uh, he's co-owner of 713 RIA and 713 coaching, mentoring. And through Landon, he's introduced me to people like Mitch Stevens. And hey, look, turn this into a seller finance note and collect on it for 20 years. So now I am still part of the Atari generation. I do like that instant gratification from the flips, but I'm looking now more... I I don't mind taking a smaller interest rate for three years, for example, if it's going into a project that I believe in where somebody who's not mortgageable can come in, step into a house, start making payments, have their piece of the American dream. And then as long as they're increasing the value of the equity my loan is tied to, I'm happy. So it's not all about the 15% anymore. I won't turn it down. Don't get me wrong. But it's, I've gone from the short attention span into the longer attention span because at the end of the day, as much as I love my day job and want to exceed and excel at it, I don't want to do it forever. I want to be able to sit back and say, okay, I've got X amount of money coming in from either my private lending or my real estate holdings or both. And so that's where I'm kind of shifting now. I mean, you come to me with a good LTV, a good loan to value. If I'm all in at 50%, there's not a whole lot of projects that I won't shy away from. I mean, there are certain areas that I won't, I'm sure you've heard about this little storm called Hurricane Harvey and all the other hurricanes. So there are some things along the coast that I won't get into. But as long as it's a deal, I will at least sit down and list with whoever's presenting it. So that's a long way of saying I really don't have a criteria, but I have all the criteria. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. What did the, the deal dictates, right? The deal dictates. So if you're looking at... Yeah. Well, the first guy I loaned to, loaning single family residents, and he comes to me and says, hey, I got this commercial opportunity. And I'm like, whoa, that's out of my wheelhouse. I got to stay in my lane, my single family lane. And he was convincing enough, successful young guy, but he'd been doing it already a decade. And he jumped in. He said, look, I need 70000 for this. I was like, mm. I was like, I tell you what, as long as it appraises for one fifty, and you get a commercial appraiser, the thick booklet of what this thing is going to be worth, I'll take a look at the loan. And the appraiser came back with a value of $305,000. So I called the borrower and I said, look, I'm going to loan you this money and you don't have to pay me back. I'll take over, I'll foreclose and I will loan to you again. And again, (laughs) you keep bringing these kind of deals, but almost all my risk went away. So many things could go wrong for $70,000 and still recoup 300. And so that's when I started, okay, I need to start looking at other things and sharpening other tools. I don't make it a habit to loan on commercial, but I will, in my free time, that is what I'm studying up on. Nice. There you go. 
So Keith, what's maybe a crazy deal that you didn't do or a deal that you passed on? You know, obviously you said you look at a lot of different stuff. You've probably seen some pretty wicked deals come across your desk that you passed on or things that maybe you funded that you wish you passed on. So tell us about that. There's a couple of second position liens that I wish I would have passed on. I'm happy to say that it did work out for me, just not in the timeline that was agreed. But yeah, that's the second positions. When you do that, you just take yourself out of control. And that's not a good place to be for me, for someone like myself. Other people are okay with it. Like, I'm going to give you my money. and I don't expect to see anything really for three years. There was this, for lack of a better term, a mansion, an old mansion that was going back to the bank. And we needed about $120,000 to make everything right with the bank, get the payment going back. And basically, we were looking to kind of take it over on a sub two type of deal. And it was about two and a half hours away from Houston, almost to Louisiana. So I got up one Saturday, drove out there, met the owners. And it's too much. It was too opulent. The market was so small. The buying list, the buyer list was so small for something like that, that I didn't want to tie up my money into it. And this was a deal that my buddy Landon, my partner Landon had found. And I said, no, I called him on the way home. I said, no, I'm not 100% comfortable on that. If it was 20,000, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but it's a half a million dollar home. They had converted it to an office. Long story short, my 120,000 would have doubled in about 40 days had I pulled the trigger on the deal, but I didn't because I wasn't comfortable with it. So I say that's a successful loss for me because, you know, if you don't, nothing venture, nothing gain. But at the same time, it's real easy to sit back and Monday morning quarterback that deal. But it's just in my area, I like deals between 50 to $200,000 on the house. You're going to find plenty of people to get into those homes. Once you, you know, and half a million dollars, I know in places like California is a, a hovel, but in Houston, in Texas, that's a half a million is going to get you a nice spread. So yeah, it, was, uh, it was too nice of a property. And I, uh, at the end of the day, I made the right decision. I wasn't comfortable. I stuck with my gut. I didn't lose money, but I could have made so much. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's often not the deals, though, that you don't do. It's the deals that you do that go backwards. Yeah. It often affects somebody's financial future forever. A lot of people can't afford to lose principal. Yep. And if the, oh, I could have done this deal. Oh, I could have bought Facebook stock. Oh, I could have bought Google. Great. So could the rest of us. However, good investors long term make good, consistent decisions. They usually don't have a one time windfall that makes them wealthy. It's usually about consistent decisions and avoiding a big loss that ultimately makes somebody a really good investor long-term. That's great. Keith, any others? Any others come to mind that you're, you either did or didn't do? Yeah, there's a... <laughs> I paid $5,000 for a house I can't get rid of. <laughs> really? All right. Yeah. It was back taxes owed and out-of-state owner. He got tired of getting the notices from the city. to They'd have to go by. The city would go by and mow the yard and stuff. And I remember looking, going to the house, going, this is the biggest piece of crap. I have ever seen, but I've seen worse. You know, I've seen you stick around real estate long enough. You're going to go from the manure pile to the diamond. And I thought that was going to make this into a diamond. And as long as it just pays for itself and doesn't cost me money at this point, I'm, I'll be happy. But I kind of broke my rules. I was like, it's too close to the water. I don't like investing. I was like, okay, I'll just make them get a flood policy. And well, I didn't. I didn't follow up on that. And I forgot to put in my attorney instructions to the closing company, the title company. So normally I am having some checklists slowly built up, but I'm a one-man shop with the podcast. So it takes me a lot longer to, to get things out. But one of the things I look for is, you know, I want insurance binders in place for both, obviously for title insurance, property, 
And if it's in flood, if it's in Texas or anywhere, anywhere near the Gulf Coast, I require flood insurance. And if you can't pay the 450 bucks a year for the insurance that's outside of the floodplain, then you really don't have a deal. Yeah. Look at it. So Keith, last question. Looking back after lending out a lot of money and meeting a lot of people through your podcast and obviously investing in flips of your own, is there any advice that you give your younger former self that you look back and tell our audience or tell yourself, man, this stands out, a couple of things I would have done differently that I think you can share that would impact other people? I have a few regrets in my life and I'm happy about that. But first off, I would have started much earlier than I did. I had some people, not in real estate, just friends of, of the family that tried to take a young 17, 19-year-old Keith Baker and say, hey, look, man, you got a little windfall cash from someone in the family. Put that away. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to college. I'm going to burn all this money. And now I, I go back and talk to these people and I'm like, man, if I would have just even 10% of what you said 25 years ago, I'd be so much better off. So one, I would have started much earlier than I did, but I was a typical teenager. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to change the world. My parents don't know crap. They don't know what they're talking about. And then I started paying my own mortgage and I was like, oh, hey, mom and dad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I would have started early. I would have jumped in. I probably would have niched down a little more. I went a little broad, like, oh, I'll try flipping. I'll try landlording. I'll try pick something, find somebody who can, whether it be a coach, a mentor, or even just a friend or family member, find somebody who's doing what you want to do and follow them and do it sooner than later. I was in my 30s before I had the aha moment of like, I've just let 15 years go by. And so there's that you know, constantly being behind the eight ball and reading. I would have read so much more earlier on because now I don't have the time. Wife, kids, jobs, podcasts, investing. I try to dedicate about 15 to 20 minutes a night in reading about real estate, about business and educating myself. Those are the three big things I would have done absolutely different and started saving because there's one negative side to private lending and that's you're going to run out of money. There's only so much you can lend out before you go into like broking or creating a fund and everything. So I wish I would have saved more so I could have my hands in, in more and more projects. There you go. Nice. Yeah. One quick tip, you know, I, what I started doing this the year, you know, I listen to audiobooks, right? But now I've built up my tolerance for speed to the point where I could listen to them at 2.0 speed. And at the same time now can listen to them. I buy the physical book with a highlighter. And so I listen to it on 2.0 speed and highlight at the same time. And I'm able to pause it when I have something that I really want to think about or something I really want to push down into my core and make sure I use it. But for me, listening at 2.0 speed, I get through some of the minutiae a little quicker. And by highlighting, I'm actually retaining way more than I ever retain. I've been reading, 42 years old, I've been reading all my life, yeah. especially since college, business books, hundreds and hundreds of books, real estate books, et cetera success books. And now I finally feel like I'm retaining more. I've always been a really slow reader. So mm -hmm. I didn't really like to read because it would take me forever to get through a book. But now, so take that for what it's worth. Maybe that'll help. Uh, you. you know, it's great because I do podcasts at 1.5 speed in the car for that same reason. Obviously, I'm not highlighting while I'm driving or yeah. I shouldn't be. But I think I'm going to incorporate that because that you're reading, you're highlighting and you're listening at the same time. And that's really reinforcing. I like that idea. Senses, man, gets in there. Yeah. Pretty good, so Fantastic. Well, cool. Keith, listen, thanks so much for sharing. Tell us a little bit more about where we can find your podcast, where we can get in touch with you if our audience wants to reach out, listen to sure. your stuff or approach you about a deal. Sure. Uh, how to get in touch with you. Where can they find you? Yeah. So 
privatelenderpodcast.com is where you can find me. Email is Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at privatelenderpodcast.com. And you can listen to the show, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere, any platform that houses the podcast, you should be able to find me there. And while we're at it, if anyone listening can go right now to the Private Lender Podcast and also go to Josh's podcast on iTunes, leave us some ratings and reviews. We'd greatly appreciate it because that helps get the word out yeah. and helps people just like the listeners now to, to find this. But that's how you get a hold of me, privatelenderpodcast.com. Fantastic. Yeah, my team will monitor all those different platforms that Keith mentioned. If there's questions specifically for Keith, we'll grab them off those platforms. We'll feed them to him privately. We'll get you some answers. We'll introduce you to the right people that can get you there. So Keith, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Really enjoyed it. Josh, I really appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. Talk to you soon. And there are a couple of things I didn't realize about this. I needed to mention to you guys. One, I didn't realize it or I forgot that he recorded it and my office looks like hell. So if you go to the acceleratedinvestorpodcast.com 2019 slash 04, you can see my ugly mug in my ugly office. And I never really officially asked Josh for permission to air this, but I don't think he would have any issues since he did a swap. And I'm totally plugging his name and his website. And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but he's got a very interesting story. He's overcome a lot. And those are those human interest stories we, we tend to enjoy. I know I certainly do. And Josh is just a really cool guy. I'm really glad that a mutual friend introduced us. And so, yeah, that has worked out well. And I, I do wish Josh all the best. And speaking of wishing all the best, how about you, dear listener? It's, we're smack dab in summer now. We're into June, end of the uh, second quarter. And where are you? Where are your goals? You got your family budget. You got your kids' college covered. Take a moment. If you do it in January, New Year's resolutions or whatever, let's take a moment. Take a pause. See where your financial goals are. See where your fitness goals are. And your relationship goals, business and personal. June's always a good time. People like to get married in June. I think it's a good time to look back and just kind of take a yardstick of where you're at this year or where you've done for the last year. Maybe you started in June. I like to mix it up sometimes, so I don't do New Year's resolutions. Most of the stuff I do starts in February. However, think about moving it to June just so that it's a nice contrast. Six, no, June and no, uh, maybe November, December. So anyway, that's my two bits of free advice to you today is where are you? Take a step back. Don't look behind you, but look around and see where you're at, where you want to go, and what you can do better. And while you're at it, you can go over to the show notes page, privatelenderpodcast.com slash PLP hyphen 073. And there you'll find links to not only today's guest or today's host, actually, Josh Cantwell, but links to iTunes. And if you're going to stop and take a look at your financial goals, make one of those goals to leave a rating and review at iTunes for the Private Lender Podcast. Only price I ask you to pay that or tell a friend. Shoot this out via text, email, direct message. Put it up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you kids are using these days, the Snapchats and all that fun stuff. But if you could just help me spread the word, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. It's the only price that I ask. And while you're at it, for fun, connect with me on social. Facebook, uh, privatelenderpodcast.com has those links. Again, go to the show notes page. And besides health, wealth, happiness, and self-awareness, I wish you profitable and safe private lending. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.